here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hi, this is Joshua Parrisher, the Director of Operations at Six Flags Fiesta, Texas, and you're listening to the Coaster Talent Podcast. Hi, I'm Grace Peacock, Director of Communications at Canada's Wonderland, and you are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, I'm Adam Floyd. I'm the Senior Marketing and Sales Manager at Wild Adventures Theme Park, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey, this is Lauren Cook-Frosby from Holiday World, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and lend us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can drive all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please, secure your hats and glasses, and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your hosts, Andrew Locke. Hi everyone, this is Andrew, one of the executive producers of the Coaster Challenge podcast with you here today. Got a very special VIP guest joining us today. Now, here in the U.S., we, of course, have many, many parks. Now, most of those parks here in the U.S. would be classified as amusement parks or, you know, FECs and things like that. Uh, chains, for example, like Six Flags and and uh, Cedar Fair and others. Now, beyond that, kind of, a, if you will, above that in terms of theming and, you know, high quality and whatnot, we have our theme parks. And when people think of theme parks here in the US, they generally think of Disney Universal and then perhaps, you know, SeaWorld, Busch Gardens as well. But there is another chain here in the US that, in my opinion, has some of the best theme parks out there. In fact, I would say make the claim that their theme parks are better than some of the parks I just mentioned. Uh, I'm not going to say who there, I'm going to be nice, but they are some of my favorite parks here in the US and even the world. They rank very highly for me. And those are the two jewels, in my opinion, of the Hershen chain. Those, of course, are Silver Dollar City and Dollywood. And today, I have the great pleasure of talking to one of the uh, executives from that latter part, Dollywood. So I'd like to welcome uh, VP of Marketing, Pete Owens from Dollywood. Welcome to the podcast, Pete. Well, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're glad to have you. And I understand from uh, talking to uh, your team in advance setting up this interview that you are a coaster enthusiast. Is that correct? I would say that um, I am a coaster enthusiast. I remember the first coaster that I rode when I was about seven, and I've been on uh, more than 380 coasters around the country and around the world since that time. Uh, quite a number of them that don't exist anymore, but uh, uh, I'm passionate about it, but I'm not, a, I'm not somebody that goes out to... Uh, just get coaster credits it's more about the uh it's more about the park experience and and what the entire uh what the entire experience is for uh for families uh when i go to a park i'm particularly passionate about family-owned parks i mean obviously dollywood is uh is part of uh 
uh, Hershen's chain, but it's a partnership between Dolly Parton and Hershen Family Entertainment. And it really is still a family operated business, um, you know, a little different than, you know, say a Knoebels or a Wonderland Park or places like that, that are solely owned by one family, but still has that same spirit, that same feel, that same heart. And, uh, and that's what I'm passionate about is, is that and what it provides for families. That's awesome. And I, I can totally get it because having been to Dollywood many times, it is one of the best family parks in the world. Uh, it's just, it is very much, it screams in, in all the best ways. We're here for families. We're not just here for adults. We're not just here for kids. We're here for, you know, everyone combined. And there's really something for everyone there. And again, we'll, we'll dive deeper, of course, into Dollywood later. But as far as the question I asked you about being a coaster enthusiast, uh, you know, it definitely sounds like from what you described there, the fact that you know, uh, you know, pretty, uh, uh, sounds like pretty accurately how many coasters you've ridden, you know, 380 you mentioned, that right there says you definitely are, uh, you know, enthusiastic about coasters and and whatnot. So, uh, and, and then the first half of the interview, we'll have some fun talking about you individually uh, in, in terms of being a coaster enthusiast and a fan of parks and whatnot. Uh, and then the second half of the interview, we'll talk, of course, about Dollywood, because again, you uh, represent the company and uh, and work there pretty high up there and Definitely want to talk about some things, some new things you've got going on there and some things I've recently experienced there that are really enjoyable and fun. Um, we'll have fun doing that. So, uh, but uh, yeah, before we, uh, again, before we get to the Dollywood stuff, we're going to talk about you, Pete, because you are a person that enjoys the parks. So you've already kind of gone over a little bit, but it, you know, if there's anything else you'd like to share about yourself and about your experience working in the industry, uh, please go ahead and share away. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you go when you talk to a lot of people that work in the industry and a lot of them say, well, I worked, you know, it was a summer job or I thought I'd only be there a little bit of time. My, uh, I was a film major in college, had uh, went into television, then went into broadcast journalism. And I worked in uh, TV news for 15 years before uh, I was taking a break uh, and or I took a break from that and decided, well, I'm going to go work for Dollywood. They had a position open as uh, the public relations manager for uh, the park. And at that time, we just had Dollywood. And then we had some dinner theater attractions that are part of Dolly's uh, portfolio of, of properties. And, you know, I came in to uh, uh, to really represent those. So the first thing I did within the industry was break ground for our water park. So uh, that was all the way back in May of or I guess the groundbreaking was in June of 2000. So this is my 24th season within uh, the industry. And since that time, I've opened Everything that Dollywood and Splash Country have put in, uh, uh, Dollywood's Dream More Resort, the um, and you know we've and the groundbreaking and everything else we've done with Heart Song Lodge and Resort uh, that will be opening later on this year. But also on the dinner theater side, I've opened and closed properties, changed brands on properties. Uh, we uh, have a brand called Dolly Parton Stampede. We have a brand called um, uh, Pirates Voyage. Um, 
stampedes are in Branson and in, and in Pigeon Forge. Um, Pirate's Voyage is in Pigeon Forge in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, and we have uh, some other dinner theater brands that are here in Pigeon Forge, but had one in Orlando, uh, have explored other places. So it's been kind of a varied background within the industry. But when I first started, I was challenged by the then vice president of marketing to learn as much as I could about the industry because I was coming in as an outsider. And I uh, got involved with IAPA. And I started to network with uh, some folks that were in the industry, several folks that are still among my closest friends uh, within the in, within the industry. Jeff Siebert, who is at uh, the park president at uh, Six Flags Fiesta Texas now, yep. was at Kings Island at the time. A guy named David Mant that is uh, in charge of the IAPA Foundation now and several other parliamentary things with the IAPA board was the corporate um, PR person for um, Paramount Parks at the time. So that was pre-Cedar Fair merger uh, and others around the country. Um, Paula Werney at Holiday World, uh, who was retired now. But lots of folks within the industry found it very welcoming. And uh, folks really started to, to help me along my journey. So I got involved in IAPA. Um, did a lot of different things. Uh, I mean, I've been on lots of committees, have chaired a great number of committees through the years, uh, currently still sit on the communications committee for IAPA. And uh, that has kind of, that kind of evolved into uh, uh, like almost 15 years ago now, uh, there was the reformation of the uh, Roller Coaster Museum and Archives Board and was uh, honored to be asked to join that board and have been on the Roller Coaster Museum board that whole time. And we're uh, working very diligently to, to get the actual uh, museum uh, finished and open to the public uh, in Plainview, Texas, but have hundreds of thousands of artifacts and, and rolling stock and those kind of things that are part of that. And again, that goes back to the history of fun it's about fun and families and, and, uh, I just have a passion for the industry. Nice. That's awesome. Well, thank you for that overview. A few things to unpack there. So uh, for starting with the last, the, uh, roller coaster museum. So uh, I assume you work with uh, Chris Roberry there in the museum. I, I do. Yeah. Chris is a good friend and, uh, uh, and Chris does all of our social media for us. He's actually a volunteer, but he and I, um, you know, interact a lot. Uh, his photography of our um, of our key assets uh, has been spectacular, and uh, he also runs our store. So uh, he does a lot of our merchandise for us, and has created a lot of our merchandise for us. So he's an awesome uh, uh, he's an awesome addition to uh, our our volunteers. Oh yeah, I know Chris personally. He's a friend of mine. Uh, I know him uh, from going back to about 2019 or so. Uh, I was one of the founding producers. I'm not really involved so much anymore. Uh, one of the main reasons is just because I don't have the time for it, especially with how much uh, things have kicked up here with the Coaster Challenge podcast in, in the more recent years, past few years. But I was one of the founding producers of the Ace Ride With Us podcast. Uh, yep. I've been a member for years and, and uh, ran a, a long-running segment on that podcast 
Coasters Run of the Family, which is all about families that ride coasters together and enjoy the parks together. Really had some great interviews with uh, on that, including uh, interviewing uh, Elizabeth Ringus and her family, the current ACE president, uh, really, really wonderful woman herself and that I work with on the podcast. But but Chris is an awesome guy. And again, I consider him, uh, you know, a nice, uh, you know, he's a good friend and you know, I don't get to see him much. Usually I get to see him once a year at IAPA, but always, you know, make sure to stay inside. Stop and say hi and catch up. But he's a wonderful person. And uh, uh, one of the things I when I describe him to people, of course, you know this yourself already, Pete, is if people haven't heard of him, say, well, you should you should be thankful that he exists as a human being because he is responsible almost single handedly for the incredible ace documentary about Arrow, which so many people, of course, have seen. So they've seen his work, maybe not don't know him personally or know of him personally, but he's a great guy. And you mentioned another incredible uh, pioneer in our industry, someone I also know, someone that uh, myself and Kim, one of our other producers, very recently interviewed here on our podcast, had a wonderful conversation with Jeffrey Siebert. And as I uh, talked about during the interview with Jeff, uh, I had met him for the first time in 2001, way back when, uh, at Paramount, uh, back in the Paramount dates, I should say, at Kings Island when it was owned by Paramount and had a brief meeting with him, uh, brief, I met him briefly, I should say, as a guest, and just had a great interaction. Just what a wonderful person he is, and what what a great great person he's been in the industry, and the things he's doing for Six Flags now for Fiesta Texas are nothing short of extraordinary. The things he described, because I've not been to that park in about six years. The things he described uh, during our interview, it's like I, I literally said this during the interview. It's like I got to get back to Fiesta Texas uh, as soon as possible, and I plan to go next year, but. Uh, um, it's it's amazing. I've been there. Well, I guess I've been there every year the last three years. Nice. And uh, but you know, as I say, Jeffrey and I have been friends for you know more than twenty years. And and uh, you know, it's always great to be able to spend time with him because he is so passionate about the industry. But he's just yeah. he's passionate about the history, but he's passionate about bringing that experience to families that create memories that families want to share. And that is such an amazing, I mean, I think that that is a, that, that is probably encapsulates why I stayed in the industry as long as I have, why I continue to be passionate about it because, you know, uh, I had a president, uh, the original president of the Dollywood company um, said to me in my initial interview, he said, you know, uh, you've been in the news business and, you know, there's a lot of misery in the news, but I'll tell you, no matter how bad my day is, I can just walk out in the midway and I can hear people laughing and walking arm in arm and know that I had a little something to do with that. And, yeah. you know, and I said, and what I told him was, I said, well, I think I'd like to do this. I, I think it's about time that I work in the joy business instead of the misery business for a while. <laughs> and I, and I have for almost 25 years. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And really what you just described there is very much akin to our mission here uh, on the podcast. Uh, we're all about theme park therapy. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I spend a lot of time in parks, probably not as much as you do since you work in the industry and I, I only cover it, uh, you know, in my spare time, if you will, it's not my, uh, my day job, if you will. Uh, but still, you know, the other time I am in the parks, you know, I'm so often enjoying that time, you know, escaping whatever stresses might be going on in my life and just seeing so much of that and the other people there and enjoying it with friends and family. And I totally, totally relate to what you're saying there. And, and by the way, Pete, I was trying to figure out uh, and 
you know, I did not, I was not talking to you directly in planning this interview. I was working with Ellen who works for you there. And mm-hmm. she was great as well as uh, Nathan, who's great as well. Uh, and um, I was trying to figure out once they identified that I'm going to be talking to you, which is, you know, it was, it was great that I was going to, normally we get to talk to like the head PR person, you know, where you started at Dollywood, but sure. being able to talk to someone at your level, we really appreciate that. We don't get often to talk to people at the executive level, park presidents or VPs or whatnot. So we appreciate your time, of course, but I was trying to figure out, you know, I heard your name before I, I recognize your name. And now, you know, I realize it, it may not even be from the Dollywood perspective for, Perhaps. Um, but I think it, it's probably because of your involvement with IAPA and just how involved you are in the industry, because I've been IAPA now for several uh, several years in a row. I love covering IAPA for the podcast, networking. It's how many of the interviews that happen in this podcast are started, you know, where where the connections are made is via IAPA. I'm not I'm not one of those enthusiasts that goes to IAPA just to have fun. I take it seriously and I'm very respectful of the environment, unlike Unfortunately, a few out there that that don't take it so seriously and cause problems. Uh, that's not who I am. But uh, anyways, I very much enjoyed the connections I've made at IAPA. And I probably have, have seen you on the panels or, you know, heard your name and whatnot. But and, uh, my gosh, Pete, the fact that you've worked at Dollywood now for almost 25 years, you know, that being in the industry for that long and just at one place that you obviously do something good. So uh, very impressive. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And Dolly's a pretty good boss. So that helps as well. Oh, I bet. I bet. She's such a wonderful, positive person. I, I can only imagine for sure. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, what we call our fear journey. So you've written, as you mentioned, probably about 380 or so coasters. So why don't you tell me and think back and, and uh, you know, this is kind of what we also call our theme park time machine segment in the first half of the interview. What one coaster in your life has scared you or intimidated you, giving you the most anxiety? Uh, and how did conquering the fear by riding that coaster change your impact your life? Well, you know, it's interesting because I think that part of the fun of theme parks is the fear. Sure. And I think that the opportunity is, and I will say this, that, um, you know, the short answer to, to the question is, well, what's the one that is the most, was the most intimidating? Well, King Dakar was the most intimidating. Okay. Got it. Makes sense. And so, you know, but it's the, it's the fastest and the tallest coaster. Uh, if really you want to call that a coaster, I mean, it's a, it's a one trick, it's a one trick pony, Right. But it is, um, but, you know, it's certainly intimidating, but I can tell you even being on, you know, I, I mean, um, you know, if you look within the ACE community, I mean, there are, uh, you know, there are folks that are, that have been on thousands of coasters, three, 4,000 coasters. And, you know, um, I'm sure that their approach is every time they get ready to get on, Hopefully, they still feel the butterflies that you have on a ride that you've never been on before. And I right. think that simple action of being able to do that uh, and be able to con- to conquer that feeling of uncertainty uh, is, um, you know, maybe a minor victory of, uh, I mean, I'll tell you, the last summer, I went to CoasterCon last summer. 
because we're getting ready to host for this year. Sure. Yeah. CoasterCon last year was at Cedar Point. I had not been to Cedar Point in probably, I don't know, eight or 10 years. And, uh, and I will tell you that getting ready to get on Millennium Force, I still had the same kind of anticipation and butterflies that I did the first time I wrote it because it had been so long. And of course it paid off, uh, you know, in, in an awesome way, but you know, the things that I am typically, um, that I, that I typically, I won't say anxiety. I was going to say anxiety. I don't think anxiety is right. I think those things that, uh, that, uh, I take a pause for, I get butterflies for are the ones that, you know, generally have the highest drops. Sure. So even though my favorite steel coaster right now is Fury 325, still that first drop is one that, you know, you have, I've had butterflies for. Um, and I think conquering each, that each time that you do that, even if they're minor victories, is an opportunity for you to kind of, you know, you're weaving a, you know, kind of a tapestry of success that you've had. And that helps, right? It's a, uh, uh, it's coaster or, or theme parks or even just straight up amusement parks like a Cedar Point become places of victory. Yep. And it's a fun, and I think that's a fun, a fun opportunity and certainly a part of that. I think that, you know, as you transition and you have kids and I have a, I have a daughter that is, that is 21 that has down syndrome and she's a coaster fanatic, but getting her on things, she still has the same level of anxiety and you can see it when she's getting ready to ride. And then when it's over seeing the smile and seeing the feeling and having the conversation with her that, you know, I did it. Let's do it again. Right. And, you know, and that kind of feeling, I think that has, uh, for me, you know, there's a little bit of transference there, right. That you have that as an opportunity to be able to live it again through her, uh, in a more real way that, you know, after you've been on a couple hundred coasters, Nah, there's there's a lot of similarities as i'm sure that you will agree sure. uh and so it's uh uh but it's fun to be able to do that with with uh you know with with uh, your kid or with another person that um you know has some level of anxiety uh i mean it's funny i just rode big bear mountain with somebody that is on my team and she's not a coaster rider oh okay okay and she was terrified. Right. And I was like, no, it's going to be fine. It's going to be right. fine. And we'll talk and we'll get into this a little bit later as to what Big Bar Mountain's all about. But um, the sense of speed on that ride caught her a great deal by surprise. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, now I have probably bruises on my knee from her grabbing my knee through the whole <laughs> ride. But, um, Again, a level of transference that was exciting for me that provided an opportunity to experience it through the eyes of somebody that's not a seasoned writer. Right. You know, if you, 
Um, and so, you know, those are kind of the, those are kind of fun things. I mean, typically anything that gives me, you know, some level of pause, um, you know, uh, I mean, I can, I, I guess I can give these as examples cause they don't exist anymore, but the, the Rattler before they went to iron Rattler right, right. at, uh, at, at Fiesta, Texas, that was a scary ride. Yeah, yeah. But it was a scary ride because of the amount of motion in the structure right. and in all of in all of that. And that was more of a, huh, I wonder if I'm going to make it back. And, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, and then by the same token, you know, the attractions that are on the stratosphere. Oh, yeah. Uh, are a yeah. great example of something that is, you know, that would provide a level of anxiety. And I will tell you the that X ride that they yes. have that where that oh, they man. tilt down and you just roll down to the end. Yeah. That is one that I, I would say next to King to that's probably the next attraction that I would have had the greatest amount of anxiety for because, sure. you know, you're way up there and I won't say that I have a necessarily a overtly uh, fear uh, or, or an overt fear of heights. I mean, I've been bungee jumping. I'm a pilot. Um, you know, there are other things, but certainly that um, I'm taken aback by I'm taken aback by those things. Right, right. No, absolutely. No, it's very good things to unpack there, Pete. Thank you. So, uh, you know, first of all, you mentioned the Strat. Uh, I'm a big fan of Vegas. I've got a friend of mine, a coaster enthusiast, very close friend of mine. Uh, he's going to Vegas. I think it's going to be his first time, at least in a long time, uh, in September. Uh, and he's talking about being able to do the attractions there. And he mentioned the coasters. And I said, don't, don't miss out. There's no coasters, but don't anymore, but don't miss out on the, the, uh, basically the flat rides effectively, uh, right. at the top of the stratosphere because they're absolutely fantastic. And if you're really brave, maybe try out the sky jump. But yeah, certainly, uh, especially, uh, you know, X there, I think more so than the, the space shot or, or, uh, I think it's spin sanity or whatever the other one is the, the spinning rod that goes out. Yeah. But then that one's great too. But the, but uh, the the X is the most intense of them. Not in in the speed of movement or the forces, but just in terms of challenging your mind in terms of fear. Because you know, hundred percent. That's yeah. the thing, right? It's yeah. the deal. The spin yeah. sanity thing is once you are you know once you figure out well yeah I'm in a lap restraint and I'm probably not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and yep. they kick you out over the side and it starts to spin. I mean, you know, as you age, or at least as I've aged, I'm not a big spinning fan anymore. Right. But, you know, but the experience of being able to look straight down at, at at that height that you are. But, you know, it's that idea with X with as it tilts down, you're like, I certainly hope this stops because if it doesn't, because <laughs> if it doesn't stop, it's going to be a bad day. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah. it's, and I think that that's, and I think that's it, but you feel that feeling of exhilaration once you have accomplished that. Oh yeah. I think is amazing. And I think that that also goes into, um, you know, tangentially, I would say that if you think about what, um, coaster designers try to do, and I'm really, I'm quite good friends with Jeff Pike. Um, that 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 uh, uh, is one of the principles in Skyline Attractions, but also does a lot of design work for GCI. Yeah, um, yep. and um, 
Alan Schilke has been a friend for a long time. He he uh, actually was the engineer that designed Tennessee Tornado, but right. uh, when he worked for Arrow, but he also uh, is Lightning Rods designer. Yep. And yep. and so the idea, um, you know, he kind of bookended his career at Dollywood. Um, the uh, you know, it's those things that you know, what are those things that they are trying to find that will surprise people and will give folks that smile, that gasp, the giggle, all of those things, you know, that that's kind of the, that I think that's a fun, you know, tangentially, I think that's the fun thing because it is that feeling of exhilaration that you're able to accomplish it. And then on their side is how are they creating those moments of exhilaration for you to be able to experience them. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing I wanted to tie in is that the kind of beginning of the answer to your question there, which I also kind of addressed there at the, a moment ago, is you talk about these minor victories and facing fears and, and whatnot. And you talked about how, you know, hope these, these, you know, these acers that have, you know, thousand, two thousand, many thousands of different coaster credits, you hope they still get the butterflies. So what I have learned from my own experience being a coaster enthusiast, I've ridden almost 600 coasters at this point. And from also from interviewing uh, other coaster enthusiasts here on this podcast and just talking to friends of mine, I've got multiple friends. Um, let's see here. A couple of whom have been on the podcast uh, that have well over a thousand credits. And by the way, uh, these guys are all like in their twenties. So, you know, they're these, you know, they're, they're, where they're, God only knows how many by their 70s or 80s, whenever they stop riding, how many credits they're going to have, but they're going to be super enthusiasts and whatnot. But um, what I've noticed, again, from my own experience and talking to others, is that, you know, you once you've ridden so many coasters, you keep facing your fears again and again and again. You, it, it is very much like a muscle, like going to the gym, but it's it's all about the mind. It's all psychological where your mind is able to face fear much better where you're you don't get the negative aspects of that anxiety and that that the, of those butterflies so the butterflies can be both good and bad mm -hmm. and not just about rides and i see this in myself pete so much i have been you know as a human being because we're all human you know life has its ups and downs not necessarily in the literal sense like we're talking about coasters or rides but in the, in the figurative sense in terms of positive and negative challenges in life uh and i've had you know because i'm a human being several of them the past few years and i've been able to face them far more effectively dealing with one right now than i than i was able to say in the years prior and I strongly believe that's because of how much riding I'm doing and because I've really been diving into the parks because of a major life change from about three years ago, uh, almost three years ago at this point. So I'm a strong believer that that the theme park therapy, the immersion, but also especially combined with the the positive aspects of facing fear, the accomplishment that you talked about, Pete, combined with the endorphins, the adrenaline, these 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 these, so to speak, chemical releases that people do drugs for, they do recreational drugs for very dangerously to get those same feelings. We as coaster enthusiasts get them naturally, well, so to speak, naturally, but but without doing drugs, but with the impetus, the source being something much more positive and, and you know, basically almost no danger at all by riding rides instead of doing drugs. You know, we feel, you feel very fortunate, but right. again, all of that adds up to 
uh, us, you know, being able to face fears in other areas of our lives and not even have fear where so many people have so much fear. So I think, you know, something I've not really thought about up until maybe the past couple of years and getting involved with this podcast, especially, and it's fascinating to me. And again, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. Uh, there have been some studies in this area and eventually we haven't had one yet, but I would like to get uh, some, some professionals on the podcast and talk about them and dive deep into that. But um, you know, the other thing you mentioned kind of tangential of this is, you know, you mentioned about, you know, hope that, that these guys that still ride the, you know, have ridden thousands of coasters still get the butterflies. I mentioned that positive side of the butterflies. And I can say for this, I, I don't get afraid riding any coaster. But when I get on a new coaster, um, you know, a Big Bear Mountain or Pipeline recently, you know, it's not about the fear anymore. It's about the excitement of, oh, what's this going to be like? And, you know, I wonder, you know, where it's going to rank on my list and what's going to be cool about it? What's going to be unique about it? What's going to surprise me? It's all those positive excitement. It's it's why, you know, why I go to movies, you know, that, that have just come out because I love movies or why I travel to places I haven't been to before. Or, you know, I travel again and again to the same places because of how much I love them. It's that positive stuff that we can still get without that fear facing. So just because you're not facing fears anymore doesn't mean it's not good for you or it's not going to get positive experience. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Absolutely. So, you know, thank you for going through the fear journey uh, with with me here. Now, taking a step back, going up to the, say, the 10,000 foot level uh, beyond fear, have you know, and obviously you work in the industry, that's a, that's a given, but, you know, besides working in the industry, can you think of any other significant positive impacts that being a coaster enthusiast and being a uh, enthusiast of parks, any other positive impacts that those have had on you in your life? Well, I mean, I think it's the, again, it's, it's for me working in the industry, it's that sense of community. It's not only the community of people that work within the industry, I mean, it's it's funny that uh, I mean, one of my really good friends is Gary Slade, who is the publisher of Amusement Today. Oh, right, uh, right. That, and so and Gary is friends with everybody because he was an enthusiast and then he worked for uh, and he and he did publications as part of Ace and then he did his own publication. And then that evolved into Amusement Today, which has really taken over after amusement business went out of business as kind of the, you know, Bible of the, uh, of the industry, but he knows everybody. And so I've been, you know, a fly on the wall or had the opportunity to meet or whatever with all of these different people. Um, you know, I mentioned World Wonderland earlier uh, in Amarillo, Paul and Paula Werney owned that park. Um, what an amazing, you know, it's, what amazing people, the Knoble family, sure. you know, amazing people. Um, you know, the, there are the Aries that own, that own the fun spots around, around the country. Um, just amazing people that are, uh, all in it because they love making people happy. And, you know, and they, and they can't get out of it. I mean, Paul and Paul are probably in their eighties or late seventies, early eighties. And they don't, you know, they'd like to retire, but then every time they open the the park for the year, then they, you know, they can't retire because, right. you know, right. and it's, you know, look and Dick Knoble is a great example of that. He's the same way, you know, yeah. I'm sure he'd like to retire, but it's he and buddy and, and, uh, 
and Leanna. I mean, they're all they're in it every day, and it's in it's part it's in their blood. And I think certainly that is that's something within the industry that that has been amazing for me to experience. Um, yeah. And starting, you know, as as we talked about, starting is just a PR guy for a park. And at the time when I started, a pretty small park, frankly, um, right. in Tennessee. And, you know, now um, not such a small park. I mean, it's we've now are becoming a destination resort. Oh, um, yeah. I would say, you know, um, from an attendance perspective, you know, uh, at or exceeding what a park like Hershey Park does in a year, yeah. um, you know, and I don't have New York and Philly sitting right, you know, in my back door. Um, right. So it's just a, it, it's it's been very gratifying to be part of that and be able to, you know, further Dolly's legacy, be able to create these experiences. So, uh, I mean, all of that has been, all of that has been a great, uh, a great part of the experience, but, um, you know, it is, uh, I love the history of it also. Okay. You know, I love, I love the transition from trolley parks to, to local amusement parks to, you know, uh, into the beginning of the theme park era, into what we've become uh, globally with with all of these parks. I mean, look at the Mock family and the oh, fact, yeah. that, you know, they started doing, you know, circus wagons, that their company started building circus wagons in the, you know, 17th, 16th, 17th century. And now they're, you know, own probably the best park in the world with Europa Park and still create some of the best rides are are innovators in creating some of the best rides in the world um that's just cool right i mean that yep. is just something yep. that is that's something that is, that is just just cool yeah no very well said and uh, to touch on a couple of things you mentioned first the most recent thing you said uh yeah what the mock family has done is nothing short of incredible and uh, you know i know many listeners of the show and friends of mine have not yet had the um the fortune or the uh, the experience to be able to go to say europe and go to germany and uh, i have been very fortunate i've gotten to travel a lot in my life uh, mainly for business where i i'm traveling to asia the middle east or europe and i go visit parks locally you know where i've already flown over there and i've got spare time I've got the weekend or whatever it may be uh, but I also certainly have traveled on my own dime uh, to go to certain parks. For example, I had not really been to Germany for work before. And uh, last year, I actually wound up going twice because the first time they they blew my blew me away. Even all my friends were saying, Andrew, you're going to love Europa. But still, you know, until you experience yourself, you don't know. Uh, but uh, because of how much I loved Europa Park and Fantasialand in October last year, I went back to both of them and other parks in December. But yeah, Europa Park, what Mock has done with Europa, it, you people just, because people are in the U.S., they, you know, they think of, okay, well, time traveler, you know, that's the best Mock in the country. That's pretty amazing. But, you know, it's not, you know, it's not this or it's not that. Well, what they don't understand is that, you know, what Mock has done in Europe, you know, with, with Right to Happiness and and even Blue Fire. Blue Fire, I think, is one of the most underrated coasters in the world. Uh, Arthur and, and the Incredibles. I, I'm sorry, say again? Arthur and the Incredibles. Oh yeah, and Ar yeah. Arthur is oh, Arthur is so. I want to see that ride system be implemented in more places. I know it's been implemented in the Middle East now, but I'd love to see it come to the U.S. It's so actually, you know, no pressure, no, you know, and don't say anything if it's true or not. But I, Arthur, that ride system would be a great fit for Dollywood. 
Absolutely. 100. No, it would be. It'd be great. It, it would be great. Yeah, but but you know the the coasters there, and the, but the theming, the food, the the how expansive that park is, the quality of the experience, the shows. Oh my gosh, Europa Park, in my opinion, has the best shows on this planet in a theme park. Be their ice show surprise that that ice troop is nothing short of extraordinary. The, the shows that they put on. Uh, I just saw a circus style show. Speaking of, you said these mock got started with the circus in the 1700s. Um, they had a circus show going on because they should they rotate their shows pretty frequently during the holidays. And you know, no animal. Well, they actually had birds in it. Um, but again, very animal friendly. You know, no animal abuse. Don't worry, people. If you think of this, this is not the circus of old. Uh, very very modern circus. But oh my gosh, the things they did in this circus. That oh yeah, just such great shows. My, and then you've got the uh, food loop, the amazing, you know, roller coaster restaurant, so to speak, which is great food and the experience is wild. You know, there's so much at that park and at that resort, Etron Island, the uh, the ride uh, dining experience, which I, I need to do. I've not done yet, but in the water park supposed to be amazing. Rulantica, I mean, Mach is an empire. They have a, they're a media empire, too. They have tons of, 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 of movies, TV shows that kind of feed into the parks and like Disney does. Um, yeah, you, the Mach family... And I can't wait to see what they do next because the coasters they're building now, both there, like Voltron, as well as elsewhere, uh, you know, it's they are stepping it up and they have some of the most comfortable restraints along with Intamin in the industry as well. Uh, but yeah, as you mentioned that, so thanks for mentioning that. But you bet. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the other thing I want to touch upon is the this question, always, and I'm not saying this in a bad way at all. It typically gets the same answer with every guest we've had on, which is it's the social side. It's that's what people, the, the biggest impact. But it's interesting talking to you because we, we've had, you know, a number of, you know, what we call our VIP guests, whether it be, you know, uh, uh, Jake Hillcup from from RMC or, you know, other ride manufacturers. You know, we've had Adam Sandy on from Zemperla, uh, Steve Boney from Mauer and, and many others. And also we've had a number of, 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 of people representing the parks. You know, we had Jeffrey Siebert on recently, for example, as I mentioned. And, you know, it, it's interesting getting kind of that professional side is, yeah, you enjoy the professional relationships, these other people that work in the industry and, and how much enjoyment and how much they love bringing joy to people. Well, me, I'm on the other side of it. And I don't work in the industry. I talk to people like yourself pretty frequently. But, you know, I, I mainly, my social circles are fellow enthusiasts and friends. And I'm blessed with many of them. And I, you know, when we, and I love that social side and how much joy there is that we share together. I mean, this is, you know, you, you and I are on the kind of different sides of the same industry. And again, it's all about the joy and how much fun we have and how good it is for you, mental health and everything. I guess kind of on the opposite side from like, I don't know, garbage collectors or, you know, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're all about, we're in the business of having fun and covering having fun. And, and it's all very positive. So I definitely can understand why you would mention the social side of it. That makes complete and total sense. So uh, now you've ridden a lot of coasters and I'm guessing you've ridden many of them more than once. Mm -hmm. So what would you say has been your craziest or wackiest moment on a coaster? Hmm. That's a hard question. I mean, it is, um, there are some crazy rides out there. Um, 
Well, to help you answer the question, generally with this question, we're talking about, you know, being evacuated off a ride, something weird happening on a ride, a guest acting odd, you know, some kind of interaction, uh, someone, you know, just things falling, you know, uh, we had some people talk about someone not not doing the right thing. We, we all as coaster enthusiasts hate this. Someone having their phone out, losing their phone and then someone else catching it, you know, things like that. Can you think of any stories like that? Well, I mean, I think it, it, the more you ride coasters, the greater the chance is that, you know, you you get, uh, uh, you know, there's an e-stop or, you know, you've got to yeah. be evacuated. Um, and so, you know, I look at that as kind of a normal part of the industry. <laughs> um, right. But I will say that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I've been on a coaster where there have been people getting married on the coaster. Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, yeah, yeah. That was that. That was that. Certainly was. I don't know about crazy, but was interesting in a good mean, way. Yeah, yeah. Was that at Dollywood or somewhere else? It was somewhere else. It was at Knobles, but I mean, it was. Uh, cool. But the uh, but I mean a but still you know a great um, again Phil just you know fits in with. Uh, with the uh with the community and i would agree with you i have a lot of friends that are that are uh that are enthusiasts as well i mean richard munch and i are very very good friends and he's one of the three founders of ace um and uh and so um doesn't ride as much as he used to but he still does and you know folks like Derek shaw folks People that I'm friends with are all older people. So because right. uh, you know, I'm not a because I'm not a I'm not a youngster anymore. But I do I still I mean I I still have have uh lots of friends that are that are young too. But I would say the 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 quick wedding it was is one um pretty cool. The uh um yeah, we'll just we'll stick with that one because I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. No, that's great. That's great. You mentioned about uh, you know that you're not a spring chicken, and then that's fine. And you you know a lot of your friends are around your age, maybe even older. Uh, I, I wanted to comment. Uh, one of the things that I love about this hobby, and you know, another positive thing is, you know, when you have a hobby and it's a social one, because not all hobbies are social. You know, you tend to have this unifying aspect where. You know, it could be age, age, age is not an issue. Um, and I find that to be especially the case with coasters, because this is such a such a consuming hobby. I mean, when I say consuming, I mean, you know, this when we're hanging out at the parks, you know, we're OK, we're, when we're in line may not be may not the case. But if you're not in line, you know, you're very occupied you know, with what you're sharing with each other. It's not some boring thing or doesn't have a lot of boring moments. And oftentimes when you're in line, you're you're just chatting about parks or other you know experiences what you got coming up what travels you got coming up what you're excited for there's a lot to talk about with this hobby so you can occupy those time those other times so so i think because of those you know it's very age defining defiant and and you know i certainly am an example of that i've got many many friends that are fellow park and coaster enthusiasts that are in their their late teens 20s you know and i'm in my 40s and then on the other hand i've got a whole bunch of friends that are in their 50s, 60s, even getting into their 70s, uh, and but especially 60s. And, you know, it's it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter because we have so much that unites us, and that's fantastic. Uh, so, in any case. Yeah, it uh, is fun to see the transition of, 
you know, like, uh, you know, folks that are like, you know, Derek Shaw or like Cliff Herring or people like that that are, you know, have been in the club for, you know, 30 years, 40 years right. um, that um, that they've transitioned to some that they ride, but they right. don't ride over and over anymore. Right. That they, it's more about getting together with friends and being and it's the social structure sure. of that whole thing than than it is. But I think super. Uh, I, I think it, you're right. Super fun, uh, and uh, it's one of the things I look forward to. I mean, I'm really looking forward to hosting Con this weekend, and uh, it's the largest Con in history. There's over thirteen, or right at thirteen hundred acres that will be at Con. Uh, so that's about four hundred more than have ever been to a Con in the past. Um, so we're excited about that and uh, excited to see old friends, right? I mean, excited to oh, see yeah. folks that I haven't seen for a while. And and I think that's what a lot of that is about. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, yeah, I appreciate, you know, that you really appreciate the social side, like you said, and, you know, like these guys that are maybe a little more up there in age where they physically uh, can't ride as often or marathon where they, they'll ride here and there, but they'll just appreciate the social side. I mean, I can relate to that. Uh, I was at the, uh, well, infamous Hollywood Nights of 2021, where, you know, there's a combination of issues that happened, very tragic, and, and, and especially one case, which is the, the mm-hmm. Don woman that died on Voyage that, you know, resulted in Voyage being closed the first night, understandably, mind you, uh, and then Thunderbird being closed that year, and all, you know, all these other things, there were some timing issues, but, you know, granted, it was my first Hollywood Nights, so maybe that helped, but I, really more so than that. Uh, it was the social aspect. Like, yeah, I would have liked to ride voice the first night, but I wasn't, you know, doing those mean tweets. Like, unfortunately, some very some people very inappropriately were doing at the park, and now they're banned from going to that event. Well, you know, you know, if you fool around, you find out. But no, I wasn't like that. I was, you know, I was just trying to be. I try to really be positive as much as possible in my life, and only succeed. But I was, I was enjoying the social, just seeing people, seeing friends I haven't seen in a long time. I I, I had, was hanging out with friends there that I had not seen in two years. The last time I saw them was in China and Shanghai Disney. I mean, you know, it's it's stuff like that. So I, I can appreciate, you know, it's not just about the writing or, you know, or doing active, you know, watching a show or, you know, even grabbing a meal at a park. It could just be there standing there, sitting somewhere talking. So and just enjoying the, the commonalities, the common hobbies and interests we have. So, yeah. So you already mentioned your favorite coaster Fury. And which no, my favorite book. steel coaster is Fury. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Well, all right, let's do this then. Let's do this. We already talked about Fury a little bit. What is your favorite wooden coaster? Uh, the Phoenix at Knobles. Okay, okay. So I'll let you decide, you know, which of those would you like to expand upon and talk about why it's your favorite? Well, let's talk about the Phoenix. Okay. Because right. it is, um, so... I'm sure most of your listeners probably know. Um, so traditional wood coaster, buzz bar. Yep. So uh, unlike the modern coasters, it doesn't have a lap restraint. It actually, uh, the original PTC trains had a buzz bar. So that's a bar that is basically in front of you and up on top, um, but it's not necessarily a restraint. So it doesn't restrict airtime. So. Right. As you're riding, it allows you to really kind of float on the seat a little bit. What I think I like most about the ride is its rewritability. 
And it is a fun ride, very traditional, a lot of airtime, but it's the kind of ride um, that I can ride over and over and over. And generally on my coaster list, the rides that rank the highest are those that have a high rewritability factor. Sure. So uh, like as an example, you mentioned the voyage. Um, I like the voyage. Um, the vo- I'm a one, I'm a one or two ride voyage guy. Right. I get it. Yeah. Um, and you know, and it's, and, and some of that is like, uh, you know, if you go through some of the rides that, uh, prior to, uh, being redone, Ghost Rider, um, Texas Giant, Rattler, things like that prior to being reworked, um, they definitely were one ride rides because of the way the ride experience was. The right. Phoenix has always been very well maintained by the Knobles and um, and by the maintenance team there, Jim Martini and the guys that are part of the maintenance team there. But it's a great story, right? Dick went um, to Oklahoma, got the ride, bought it, took it down, moved it to Ellisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, that's why it's named the Phoenix is because right. he saved it from the ashes. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's just, it's a great story for our industry and it's just a great ride. So that's why it's my number one. Um, there are a lot of other good wood coasters out there, but I would say Thunderhead at Dollywood is probably within my top three. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I get it. Phoenix is very rewritable. It's very smooth and it's not like the voyage. It's, it doesn't have that crazy intensity or even, you know, especially if it's not, if it's not had track work recently, it can beat you up. It can be rough on you and, and all that. Although voyage is my number one wood, it, it, it can come with a cost. Although I will tell you, Pete, you may want to get over to Holiday World because the track work that uh that uh and again that's a labor of love there that holiday world did the, the cook family did this past uh off season apparently they worked on the first half of the ride for the first time in quite a long time because that combined with the work they did on the the back half last year holy cow Pete, it is running better than ever it's still relentless and crazy and fast it seems like it's faster than it should be running and you know it's almost like it's gonna come off the track it's that fast but it's so smooth now. Like my legs, Hollywood nights. I got a lot of rides on it both nights. They weren't hurting the next the next days. Not like well, that's not, good. Yeah, last year. Oh, my legs were killing me. They were killing me. So no, they've done amazing work on that ride to both the best of both worlds. It's still an amazing fast paced ride with all the great elements and airtime and everything and laterals. But but with with none of the the pain you have to pay for it, so to speak. Well, that's uh, good. That's good. Yeah, I'll have to get up yeah. there. Yeah. Now you mentioned Thunderhead, and actually, this is a good transition into the second half of the interview, talking about, of course, Dollywood, where where you work as VP of marketing. So, I have been to Dollywood now. I think it's what four or five times, which is saying something because I've never lived in Tennessee. Uh, the closest I lived to Tennessee is now where I live in Orlando, the theme park capital, and it's a good you know ten hour drive for me. Um, I've never flown to Dollywood. I'm a big road tripper. I like flying. I've flown a lot of places. I mentioned Europe earlier, Middle East, Asia. I've been as well, all over the U.S. But I like I like driving to Dollywood. Why do I like driving to Dollywood? Well, because one of my other hobbies is I'm a car enthusiast. 
And for me, coming from Orlando, what do I have between Orlando and Dollywood? Well, if I choose to go that route, either I usually do it on the way there or way back, I can take the Blue Ridge Parkway, which is one of the best driving roads in our great nation. And I just love the sights and the great the great twisties. And oh my gosh, that road is amazing. And and but not only that, I love driving, you know, into Gatlinburg and through and into Pigeon Forge and the Smoky Mountains are one of my favorite parts of this country. And then there you have some great attractions. Many of them are by Dolly, including, of course, uh, you know, well, Dolly was owned by Hershen, but, you know, Dolly is very much still involved with, with the park. And, you know, Dollywood is just a, an absolute jewel of the of the Smokies of Pigeon Forge. And, you know, like I said, I've been there several times, despite how far away it is, including already twice this year. And I'm thinking probably not my last time this year. Here we are in June recording this. And uh, I appreciate a most recent visit was just a couple weeks ago. Uh, thank you for hosting me, Pete. Mm-hmm. Your team, appreciate it uh, so that I could get on Big Bear Mountain because it was not quite open yet when I was there for the Coaster Crew event uh, about a month before, about a month and a half before. And so, yes, I did get to ride it uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, um, and I appreciate that. But also this year, I've had a great experience. Again, as you mentioned, you're in your top three. Uh, wooden coasters is Thunderhead. Now I've ridden Thunderhead before. I love GCI coasters. They make some great products, great, great rides. Uh, but I was not prepared. You know, you know, you hear about often, you know, when you go to quality parks like a Dollywood, like a Holiday World, you hear about, oh yeah, they retract this this year. They retract this year. Well, yeah, I mean, wooden coasters should be retracked frequently. Absolutely. So you don't necessarily think, oh yeah, it's going to be better. Okay. I was not ready. I was not ready, nor were my Many friends that were there as part of the Coast Crew event, and, you know, unfortunately, Lightning Rod is it sometimes is was down that day. So we you were uh, well, not you personally necessarily, or maybe it was you personally. Whoever was responsible there was very kind enough to switch uh, our ERT at night, our evening ERT, over to Thunderhead. And I I got to tell you, by the time we were done that night, all of us were like Lightning Rod, who first of all, and number two, we're very appreciative that we got the ERT on that coaster instead because. Oh my gosh, the transformation that Thunderhead went from last year, because I did write it last year, to this year, it's like night and day. I mean, it is, and I mean this as a compliment, uh, Claire, not, you know, uh, Haynes, you know, from GCI, I mean this with the utmost um, uh, compliments. Uh, you know, GCI coasters are amazing, but, you know, say compared to Voyage, Voyage is, is another level of intensity. But so when I say this, I mean this with the utmost compliments, Thunderhead is riding like a mini voyage now. It's like a like a like a mini intense gravity group ride in that the ejector moments on it are insane. They're absolutely insane. They've they've gotten so much better that the pacing of the ride and and so forth. So I was blown away. So um you know we um here on the podcast I mentioned we talked to manufacturers. We recently talked to the uh, the uh, very charming Olivia Hain, Claire's daughter, one of his kids that works there GCI. Uh, and one of the things we talked about was the great work that GCI did on Thunderhead because I had just actually ridden it at that Coastal Crew event right after, right before I interviewed Olivia. But um, can you talk about, you know, what, the, you know, what was maybe what was done or, you know, was it a special commitment on Dollywood's part? To, was it not just like, oh, let's do some maintenance. We got to do maintenance all the time on Thunderhead. Let's do our yearly maintenance. Was it? really like a couple steps above that, what you decided to do there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, so you're exactly right. If you're going to have a wood coaster, you need to take care of it. 
Yeah. And there are a lot of parks that don't necessarily take care of their wood coasters uh, until it gets to a point where they can't, they really can't do anything except either go call, you know, uh, GCI or call RMC and either tighten track it or, or do the, you know, RMC arrive because it's the only way that they can, that they can, uh, they can save the ride. Right. We have always maintained Thunderhead well, but we made a commitment a couple of years ago with Claire to replace all the track bed all the way around the ride with Ipe, which is a very, very dense uh, South American wood. Yes. It's often called ironwood. That is um, so dense, as a matter of fact, it doesn't float, it sinks. Um, and, uh, and so we have been working with them over the last couple of years to do a section at a time. They did the largest section this year in the off season. So the entire circuit has now been redone with Ipe. Uh, I would agree with you. The pacing on the ride is really, really good. I've always really liked it, um, as a ride. I wrote it. So that ride was designed by Mike Boodley. Um, Boodley, um, it's probably in my opinion, um, I think it's his best design. Um, we had worked with GCI previously at Silver Dollar City. Um, they had created, there was a park for a short period of time that the first had, had opened in, in Branson called Celebration City. Yep. Yeah. And they had a ride there called the Ozark Wildcat. That yeah. was a GCI ride. Uh, really, really good ride, very short, um, kind of a mini Thunderhead. And uh, we uh, we had them design to use the terrain that we had, uh, and which I think they've done uh, that Mike did br brilliantly. Um, but it really is um, uh, it, it's just a really, really great ride. Uh, it is very rewritable. Uh, I mean, I've ridden it as long as I've ridden it a couple of hours in a row. Um, you know, rode it with I rode it with Mike before we opened it originally for uh, several hours, riding in the back of the ride, just talking to him. And uh, it's uh, it's just a great ride. I like the twisting first drop. I like the big wave turn right after the first drop. Uh, but the last third of the ride is my favorite part. Oh yeah. Uh, and uh and it is and it's pacing really really well now and is very uh for a traditional wood coaster is quite a smooth ride um i mean it's yeah. not the same as uh you know it's not the same as a rmc or a tight or, or a gci titan track it's not a it you know it's not a steel it's not a steel track like that but right. it is it's uh if you remember, you have steel wheels on steel on steel track bed. Uh, it runs pretty darn smooth, and right. we're very very pleased with it. Um, and quite honestly, um, you know, you mentioned lightning rod. Lightning rod's been an incredible challenge. Uh, yeah. We decided that we were going to do something no one had ever done before. Uh, we fairly quickly figured out why no one had ever done it before. Um, <laughs> uh, when you put uh, when you put a launch uh, that's an LSM launch that has a tolerance of about a sixteenth of an inch, right, uh, right, on a wood coaster, 
um, that can move as much as if it were to be really, really hot and been uh, dry and then it rains in the afternoon, it could move an inch. Um, and so, you know, getting all of that right uh, had has been a challenge. Um, but we'll be talking a little bit later on in the summer that uh, we're going to make a feral, we're going to make a, a change to some things um, with lightning rod to to ensure that uh, more folks are going to have the opportunity to ride it because it's right now it's down probably a third of the time that uh, uh, that it should be open and uh, that needs to be about ninety percent of the time or ninety five percent of the time rather than what it is now. So we're working on it. But, you know, as we say, it's a labor of love, right? So it's a thing that you got to continue to work on. And, can, and these guys that we have that work in our maintenance division, um, they love these rides and they're their rides and they want to make sure they operate as well as they possibly can. So if you go to a park and a ride is down, I can tell you that you may be disappointed, but probably no less disappointed than the guys are that work on it every day. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, of course. And thank you for coming on Lightning Rod. Uh, you know, it's a great ride. Thunderhead is, especially with the track work that was done, it is my favorite coaster at Dollywood. Uh, but Lightning Rod's a great coaster. And um, yeah, I understand you guys have had issues with it. It's it's the only kind of, only of its kind in the world. It was obviously then the first with the launch you know, LSM Wood, which as, as you mentioned, challenges, I'm an engineer, I get it. Uh, and, you know, I have been saying for a while now, maybe, you know, and again, I'm, I don't expect you to respond to this or comment, uh, but uh, I've been saying, you know, especially with the little bit of trim that happens at the top of it, guys, just, just turn into a chain lift, maybe a fast chain lift or something. Uh, and that's what I'm hoping you guys are doing. Again, I'm not expecting <laughs> to answer. We'll find out in a couple months here, it sounds like, but uh, it would be great if it had more uptime for sure. Uh, just a kind of final comment on Thunderhead before we move on. Uh, before riding Thunderhead this year, it was definitely one of my favorite GCIs, but Wodan, which is the tallest GCI, it's at Europa Park. Again, another uh-huh. great coaster, one of the few that are not mocked uh, there at Europa Park. It was my favorite uh, with Mystic Timbers not far behind. And after riding Thunderhead this year, again, like I said, at April, the Coaster Crew event, it became my number one GCI. It's not even close. But even more striking, Pete, you'll be happy to hear uh, many of my friends that were there with me that, you know, literally in my my local group that we were, you know, walking around riding everything together that day were Kings Island enthusiasts, locals there, you know, in the Columbus, Cincinnati area and Mystic Timbers, especially since they ride it all the time. It was their number one GCI. They had been on Thunderhead before. All these people had been to Dollywood before. But after riding Thunderhead that day, especially in the evening, you know, the night rides warming up and everything, all of them, all of them were like, Mystic Timbers, who? Again, it was all about Thunderhead. Thunderhead is now their number one GCI. So well, that's great to hear. That really is. Yeah, you guys did amazing work there with, with, with Claire and the team there, GCI. So thank you for doing that. So now, speaking of work that you guys have done, you, I, I know, gosh, is it going back to 2018, 2019 or so? Uh, Dollywood with Hershen made a major announcement of a multi-year, many million dollar in investment into Dollywood. Uh, you know, and again, I, you know, you mentioned it. I see it myself. It's already paying off in terms of, you know, Dollywood's really growing and turning into this destination park. Some of that money, a lot of those millions are going into Heart Song, 
um, you know, which I hope to be checking out. I, you know, I'm on your media list and thank you for inviting me. And I don't make it to every event, but I'm hoping, you know, I, I uh, get an invite and, you know, to the heart song. And if I'm, if I'm in town, if I'm available and not overseas or something, I will be there because dream more. I've been to dream more and dream more is incredible. And, oh, and my, by the way, heart and song, the, the buffet that you guys have there, everyone loves grannies. I've been, I go to grannies. We go to grannies every time we're at Delhi. I'm like, guys, gotta go to song and heart. As good as Granny's is, song and song and heart, it's it it beats Paula Deen's. It's better than Paula Deen's. And anyway, so um, you know, I can only imagine what kind of restaurants you're gonna have at Heart Song and how beautiful the resort is. I, I look forward to checking that out hopefully later this year. But you know, again, all this investment you guys are making and and Butterfly Grove, of course, is another area, a big area of investment. And Dragonfly are being the first of these modern gen, not hang and bang, comfortable, re-rideable. Uh, um, you know, Vacoma family suspended coasters, because uh, I had not ridden Freedom Flyer, even though Freedom Flyer is only a couple miles away from me. I'd not been to Fun Spot yet after moving to Orlando, but I went to Dollywood and rode and rode Dragon Flyer, and oh my gosh, what a fun coaster that is! And now you've got a total one-two family coaster punch uh, with with Bear, Big Bear Mountain, but and I I certainly have some thoughts on it. Before we get to my thoughts. Uh, why don't you talk, um, you know, representing, of course, Dollywood there, talk about Big Bear Mountain and uh, what this new attraction offers Dollywood guests. Yeah, so let, we'll take two steps back there to, to uh, let me let me uh, check off a, a couple of things that you said. So um, we did originally in 2013, we made an original announcement that we were going to spend about $300 million on Dollywood over the next 10 years. By the time we got to 2019, so that's six years in, we built Wildwood Grove, which is uh, currently the number one children's area at any park in the, um, uh, by Golden Tickets. Um, and it includes Dragonflyer as the anchor thrill attraction for families, but has a lot of other really great little rides Um that are in the area because it's it's really focused on a story about the Smokies from when Dolly was a little girl and how she would wander off. And this is about a, a hidden hollow that she found. And all of these great things are in there. So there is a uh, there's a metal bomb uh, bear ride where you can ride a bear. Uh, there's frogs and fireflies, which is a Zamperla frog hopper. Um, there's a flying scooter, there is a pirate ship, there's some other things that are there. And then it's anchored by this large tree that's in the center that does shows in the evening, um, kind of akin to the Tree of Life for uh, Animal Kingdom, right. but uh, they're Smoky Mountain stories. So when we were going about that in 2019 and we were building that, we built out a huge story around Wildwood Grove. And a part of the story we didn't tell was the story of um, the park ranger uh, for the area, uh, Ranger right. Ned, that um, and a story that was there, which is kind of rooted a little bit in local lore, is about a big, huge bear that wanders the Smokies that people say that they've seen, but they may not have seen him. And it's been going, so it's kind of a tall tale. So we thought, what a great idea for uh, an attraction, you know, whether it's a dark ride or whether it's a coaster or whether it's something else. It's a great story. 
So we're in the storytelling business. So, you know, what could we do? So COVID happens and we uh, come back, uh, we open after COVID and we make an announcement that um, Dolly and the Hershens have decided, well, we're going to double down. So we made an announcement in June of 2020 after we reopened that we were uh, had run out of money and we were going to spend half a billion dollars over the next 10 years. And the two pieces that we would be adding would be Heart Song Lodge and Resort. And we'd be and we would be uh, building a large coaster uh, as part of Wildwood Grove that really the key was for us as we went through the RFP process and everybody submitted and they all submitted really great ride attractions. Uh, I mean, Intamin and and uh, and Mock both presented really, really cool ride options for us. But. Part of the RFP process was we want to reinvent the family thrill coaster. Yep. So the yep. idea is we want a coaster in which families who have kids that are 39 inches, so that's about a tall four-year-old or a five-year-old, so they can ride, but right. they can ride with the whole family and it'll be thrilling enough so older brothers and sisters will want to ride it. Right. And so Vacoma just hit it out of the park. They oh, got yeah. exactly they got exactly what we wanted to do. They knew we wanted to tell a story, so we added onboard audio so that Ned could be talking to you through the ride. And we added some pretty cool things. So this a uh, couple of weeks ago in May, um, end of the second week of May, we opened Big Bear Mountain. It is a Vacoma family thrill coaster uh and it's a triple launch top speed's only 47 miles an hour but i can tell you that uh the lsm launches that are on the ride definitely get your attention oh and uh and the ride's really broken up into two parts there is an out portion uh that is very close to the ground rapid change of directions you go behind a waterfall you come back around once you go behind the waterfall you realize that big bear is chasing you and so as you come through you get to the third launch and you kind of put the afterburners on you go over a big uh, airtime hump and then the second half of the ride is very much wide sweeping helix kind of turns uh, change of direction and then down through a tunnel and then out longest ride for us. It's almost, um, it's 4,000 linear feet. Uh, so that's about a uh, little over two thirds of a mile. Um, it's uh, runs a minute, 42 seconds, which is a long time for a coaster. A lot of people kind of get to the airtime pump and they think, Oh, it's over. Well, no, there's another third of the ride left. So uh, you've got, so you have that to go. Um, but it's been, um, it's been very, very well received by our guests. And I think it's a home run for exactly what we wanted to do um, in, in, in recreating that, that family through ride experience. Uh, had folks in the industry come and ride it that have seen it and, you know, 
Um, they're convinced that Vacoma is going to sell a dozen more of these around the country and the world oh, after yes. they get it, after they get a chance to ride it uh, here at Dollywood. Oh, I believe that. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, again, like I mentioned earlier, Coaster Challenge and, and I'm the the generally the closest rep, although uh, Kim, our other producer, she's fairly close by as well. But she she doesn't have the, the time freedom that I do. She's she's a teacher, school teacher. So it depends on the time of year. But if it's outside the summer, she's not available. I tend to be more available, say, to go to media events. And uh, I've been invited to the media event uh, by Nate uh, for a big mountain. Thank you for the invite. Um, and I, I and I knew this problem could happen uh, because of the timing of when uh, Dolly herself had announced when the ride was going to open. So I emailed Nate in advance. Again, I'm an engineer, as I mentioned, Pete. I like to get ahead of things. It's part of how I do problem solving. Uh, and I had some family commitments. My dad was moving from San Diego here to Orlando, and I couldn't leave. Um, I couldn't leave Florida until the middle of May, like May 15th or 16th, I think it was, because of the commitments with him, helping him out. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, the media event, I just missed it by a few days, literally. Uh, but uh, again, thank you again for accommodating me with the, with the, you know, a few weeks later at the end of this uh, road trip that I happened to be on. After my I got my dad settled, I did a three week road trip up the Midwest. Had a great, great time, and the the cap of that trip, the uh, the end of that trip, was going to Dollywood before heading home. And um, talk about that in a moment. But because I missed the media event, uh, um, some very very close friends of mine. I'm, I'm assuming you you probably know these names and their company, uh, Christian and Morgan Duffy Escape Visuals. They do a lot 100%. of work. Hundred percent. Yeah, love the Duffies. Yeah. Yeah, they're amazing people. They're some of my closest friends. In fact, I just passed, spent the last couple of nights with them having a great time at Disney. And we did a couple of escape rooms and some great dinners. Uh, they're amazing people and they do amazing work with us, with their company. And, you know, Christian, you know, because, you know, obviously Christian Morgan, but they're filming. He told me how great the ride is. You know, they're both coaster enthusiasts like myself and you. And I'm like, OK, I can't wait to ride it. And so I, I was, you know, between Christian saying what he said, because Christian is not afraid. He's like me. He is not afraid to be honest about his opinion. You know, he's an East Coast Italian guy. I'm a New Jersey guy, you know. So anyways, so I, I had high expectations. And so there I was, uh, first weekend in June. They're riding in a beautiful day. And I was blown away. Uh, now, I will tell you, Pete, my my bar for family coasters is Hagrid's. I think Hagrid's, and honestly, still is. Nothing no against Big Bear. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that more in a moment. But I think Hagrid's is the best family coaster in the world. I mean, just, I mean, the theming and every, it's just, however, Big Bear, it's like a mini Hagrid's. And yeah, I mean, we're talking Universal versus Dollywood. You're, you know, we're talking about different markets and, you know, you know, you know, here we are in Orlando in the destination market. That's an ultimate destination that, you know, you guys there with Dollywood, it's not quite the same level. It's different budgets, et cetera. But just still, Dollywood does amazing work. And that mini Hagrid's you have there with Big Bear, which has theming, it has the audio. It has the waterfall and has the the sound of the of the bear, you know, and then you know it gets chasing you, like you said there when you get out of the water when you come into the waterfall through the cave. Uh, you know, it's the onboard audio itself is great, and just those launches, like you said, I was blown away by. It. They pack a punch, you know, like Hagrid's. They they do pack a punch. It's a family coaster, but it's a family coaster with well, to use a little bit of a pun, with teeth, bear teeth. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, uh, and, and, but, you know, the other aspect of it, the pacing, as I said, is great with those launches, three launches. But the other thing about it that I was really surprised by is the elements on the right. You have some good airtime, 
But those basically those kind of wave turn elements, never seen a Vacoma with that. And I've been on some crazy Vacomas overseas, you know, at, at Energylandia, for example, you know, Abyssus, which is a great ride. But for the for being a family coaster, it's just it's great because, like you said, four to five year olds can ride it. But there's not something not just for big kids, as you mentioned, people, there's something for adults there, too. It is. I would I would have if I had more time, I'd have gladly rewritten that ride. Um, so yeah, you guys definitely have a winner and a great one-two punch with Dragonflyer as well combined in. So uh, congrats on the on the successful launch of a, yet another awesome coaster, awesome attraction there at Dollywood. Yeah, I appreciate that. No, we're really proud of it. And and uh I, I mean I think it I think it does, you know, as we go through and we look at what go what what's next, um, we very much are looking at uh, storytelling opportunities, certainly, but also those things the park doesn't currently have. And because we're growing attendance so rapidly, it's very important for us to be able to ensure that when you come, that we have the number, you have the opportunity to have the, um, you know, a significant experience so that you know, you have seven or eight entertainment units during a day for you to visit. So you see a show or you ride multiple rides or you have character interactions or those kind of things. And we're very focused on doing those things as we move forward. I mean, next year we'll have a new Dolly Parton experience um, that um, is expanding into a new land, but there'll be new, there'll be a new kind of uh, um it's called Song Teller. It'll be more of a museum, but kind of a Van Gogh-like experience that's more immersive. There'll be a separate exhibit on wardrobe and a separate exhibit on uh, on faith and family and, and kind of roots kind of things um, that's in the lobby of where her family show is. Um, and that'll open um, in 2024. And then our next... Um, our next big um, expansion will be in 2026 that we're pretty excited about. So, you know, we're planning ahead and, uh, you know, it's all about uh, providing as much as we can uh, for families. No, that's fantastic. And, you know, Dollywood offers so much, you know, great coasters, including accessible ones for families, young children, um, you know, budding coaster enthusiasts, perhaps, if you will, uh, great flat rides. Uh, you know, the SNS Scream and Swing there, uh, that's a great ride. You know, your your drop tower, a great ride. Um, you have fantastic shows, uh, fantastic food, some of the best food in theme parks. I would say probably the best food in theme parks in the U.S., um, even, even considering Disney, uh, I would say are at Dollywood and Silver Isle City. Just, and I'm not just talking about the cinnamon bread, which that is incredible. Absolutely incredible. I would agree with you there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but but just even even the quick service, you know, Granny's, Song and Hearth, like I mentioned, I mean, just great Southern comfort food, and uh, you know, there's no there's no bad food at Dollywood or or Silver City. It, you know, that's another aspect. If anything, and and again, if you know, obviously, you're not going to say yay or nay, and I'm not asking you to. But so but so don't confirm. But just my sharing my advice. The one thing I can think of as a you know, let me take a step back, Pete, real quick. I'm not just a coaster enthusiast. You may have gotten a sense of that from, you know, me saying that I love Fantasyland, Europa Park, and and, and some other things. But uh, I'm a theme park enthusiast, equally to being a coaster enthusiast. So I love the shows. You've heard me talk about that. 
I love, you know, the dark rides and, and things like that. I think the one area where Dollywood has some opportunity, maybe there's a good way to put it, is dark rides. Whether it be flying theaters or traditional, you know, ride through dark rides, you know, your Omni movers, uh, you know, something like Symbolica. Symbolica is incredible. I don't know if you've had a chance to ride that at Efteling. Um, I could see you guys doing really well talking about the Smokies and the, you know, flying theater of the Smokies. And I know there's one at the island. I love the island, but I still, you guys could do one too, I'm sure. Um, and and if you do work with dynamic attractions, they make the best flying theaters in the world, especially their second gen ones, like the one they have at um, there at at the island or at uh, the pier at the uh, in Seattle. Wings over Washington is one of the best rides I've ever been on. Wild, amazing flying theater. But anyway, so I you know hopefully what you guys will maybe maybe delve in because I think great opportunity, especially for family entertainment for families. Um, but uh, you know I'm excited, whatever it may be, dark ride or otherwise. For 2026 uh but uh another thing you guys do really well there i might have already mentioned it is special events and i've, I've been able to go to a couple of them um but uh, can you talk about uh you know for you know the special events you guys have got going on say for the rest of this year uh you want anyone i kind of talk about highlights or things people can look forward to sure i mean we're just getting ready this friday we'll open great american summer which is our summer long festival it's highlighted by uh, a lot of interactive stuff that's outside for families with kids, a lot of water kind of things uh, that are out. Um, but we have a great show that uh, uh, we brought back for several years in a row. That's a gazillion bubbles. Uh, it's a show actually that's off Broadway in New York for the wow. balance of the year. And, wow. uh, and they are. Um, and so they bring a gazillion bubbles in for the summer from mid-June through mid-August, uh, which is a great, great family show. Um, and then at night, we do um, Sweet Summer Nights, uh, which is a, uh, we do kind of a dance party that sets us up to be able to do a drone and fireworks show. We do a huge drone show. There are over 500 drones. Oh, wow. Uh, and, uh, and it is, uh, and it's the next gen of, of drones so they're able to do dimensional figures and so it's not just flat you know a flat image that you see um and really um really really a lot of fun for families and that runs as i said through the middle of august we then start a fall event in september that runs through september and october that is a harvest celebration that we've done for a long time but then at night we do an event called Great Pumpkin Luminites that we originated here in 2017. Um, several of the other Hershey parks have done a pumpkin or a Great Pumpkin Luminites event that this is where it started. And we literally have tens of thousands of carved pumpkins, lit, carved lit pumpkins that are and funkins. So not only real pumpkins, but the fake pumpkins. <laughs> um, that are in large sculptures of pumpkins, uh, I mean, of things, um, or and then down to a lot of detail things that you'll walk through areas that, you know, maybe a camping scene next to a stream and everything's done out of pumpkins. And just a really, really great um, nighttime event um, from that perspective. Um, but probably the headlining festival that we do every year is Smoky Mountain Christmas. It's been the number one Christmas festival in uh, uh, in the country for 
almost 20 years. We've been doing it since 1990. The golden tickets only started about 20 years ago. And we've won it every year. Um, seven holiday shows, six million lights. Uh, we'll do a night. Uh, we'll do a nightly Christmas drone show starting this year. Oh, um, and uh, uh, it's really an amazing immersive experience. So, and it really is layered in everything that we've been talking about. Great food, great entertainment. I mean, these are Broadway style Christmas shows. Uh, Christmas in the Smokies is the headlining show uh, for that festival. Was written for the festival. Uh, we do uh, "Twas the Night Before Christmas," uh, uh, a living nativity, um, several other smaller shows, candlelight carolers, things like that. Uh, but just a great, great experience, and that w- will run from the first weekend of November all the way through to January sixth. And uh, just a lot of fun. And then we'll open again next year. We open on March 1st next year, and we'll open with uh, a Dolly Festival. Um, that's the I Will Always Love You Festival. And uh, it'll feature uh, uh, a, a production, large production show. Um, and we'll also feature a couple of other shows that are rooted in Dolly's music but it'll be a great way for us to kick off the year and to get us ready to open the Dolly Parton experience a little later in the summer. Nice. Nice. That's fantastic. I have uh, that. My first visit to Dollywood was for the harvest festival and the great pump and uh, limit limo lights festival. And I, now I love haunts by the way, you know, I love like Halloween horror nights. Not I travel. I usually travel to go to different haunts. I love going out to California for knots and and other, other haunts Um, do a lot of hunts here in Florida and so forth. But even though I love haunts and everything, I loved the Luma Lights. I mean, I know it's family friendly. Of course, it's Dollywood. No, no, no haunted houses, no scare zone. But still, it's gorgeous. It's so beautiful. And so, you know, just how it transforms at night. I love being there at night. Now, forget about night rides. Yeah, I had a great night night rides on Thunderhead and and uh, and all that. But just just walking around, enjoying those those the the, the lit pumpkins and the sculptures. I Again, I love theming and you guys do a great job with it. And you know, you mentioned uh, the 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 Christmas uh, Smoky Mountain Christmas. I've never been out there uh, in that time of year. Uh, you know, I think I think we've been on your media list now for about a year. It's it's fairly recently we uh, I was able to get it on on your list, and unfortunately, I was not able to go to the uh, Christmas event last year. I'm pretty sure we got an invite. I'm hoping you guys are kind enough to send us an invite again this year because I would just love to go to that event. Um, just already what I'd heard it was already. But on top of that, with what you just mentioned, I, again, I mentioned earlier, I'm an engineer. I love technology. It's one of my other hobbies. And I've had the fortune to see a couple drone shows in person. I've seen the uh, the awesome festival, uh, uh, the, the 50th uh, festival, if you will, celebration that Kings Island did last year. And they're fantastic uh, a nightly spectacular they did. I saw it a couple times last uh, July 4th weekend. I was there with some friends. And then I most recently, a few weeks ago here, Actually, literally a couple of days before I went to Dollywood last, uh, got uh, we got a very special treat that so many again. I talked about earlier how I'm a coaster enthusiast and a theme park enthusiast. I have a lot of friends; they're really just coaster enthusiasts, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I really saw it at Hollywood Nights because we we were told in advance that the, the opening day, the first day of the event that at, uh, I think it was 8.30 p.m., 8.15 p.m., that we were going to be treated to 
Holidays in the Sky, the, the drone and fireworks show, uh, the new one. We were going to be the first to see it. And so few people watched it. Everyone was just riding Voyage. And hey, nothing wrong with that. But again, I love it all. I love the theme park stuff, too. And oh, my gosh, what an amazing drone show that was. And that only has, only has in quotes, air quotes here, 400 drones. And you guys have 500? Yeah. So I'm thrilled to hear that you guys are going to be doing the drones. Because I may not make it during the summer. But for the for the uh, Christmas uh, event, for the Smoky Mountain Christmas, you're going to do a drone show. Oh, my gosh. Sign me up. I, I can't wait to see that. So, well, you know, it's, it's great. What's interesting for us is, you know, kind of uh, necessity is the mother of invention, if you will. And around here, since 2016, when we had the um, when we had the wildfires here, we've seen in the fall from you know, October, November, kind of on in the wintertime, it's gotten really, really dry here. Oh. And, and so, um, it lasts, we've done fireworks at night, um, for Christmas for a number of years. And last year, I mean, I think we were only able to do fireworks like a handful of nights, right? Because the rest of the time, you know, the, the fire marshal said, you know, it's too dry for you guys to 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 fire off fireworks. And yeah. so this was an opportunity for us to be able to do something a little different, uh, but to create something that we think will be memorable. Well, I, I have to say, again, I've had the fortune to see a lot of nighttime spectaculars here in the U.S., all around the world. Fantasyland, Shanghai Disney, and other parks whether it be fireworks, whether it be drones, at least here in the U.S., or your projection mapping, your your you know your world of color style shows with with um, not just the projection mapping on water screens, but the the the, the uh, fountains and the lights and all that. Those are kind of your main kind of you know fireworks, drones, projection mapping, fountains. Those are kind of your main and pyro, pyro uh, is probably the other one too. Are the main kind of things you see in these kind of nighttime shows, and. Honestly, you know, fireworks be, is the big one. I think drones are better than fireworks. Besides being more environmentally friendly and, and again, safer with, with fire danger and whatnot, um, I think drones are much more flexible and just, they're just incredible to watch uh, and see what they can do. So, yeah, again, that, that Smoky Mountain Christmas, I can't wait to see what you guys do with that. So, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. So, thanks for going over the events. Um, before we kind of wrap up here with a few last questions about you, Pete, um, and a little bit about Dollywood at the very end. Um, I'd like to ask you just a follow-up question from something you mentioned in the beginning. I, we'd already moved on and I thought of something, so I figured I'd insert it here. You mentioned, um, you know, again, I love themed entertainment. I love, I've been to dinner shows. I love dinner shows. You mentioned that you, um, that Hershen and, and Dolly have, have a dinner show here in Orlando. Is we right? did. So oh, did. we had it, was there for 10 years. Um, so if you know where the, um, um, the outlet mall is it's right off vineland there. yeah yeah of course yeah so uh the we're uh, mary queen of the universe the shrine is that's there in that in that area right uh, on the corner of vineland as it wrapped around we had a dolly parton stampede there for about 10 years did extraordinarily well in the uh, in the during the holidays and it did okay during the summertime, but didn't perform the same way that our others do. And we closed it. We I opened it there, and then I closed it 10 years later. 
Um, but we, uh, but that business is one in which, you know, we've looked at, at, at other markets and particularly now with the Pirates Voyage model. Um, that's an incredible show. Very similar. You know, the dinner theaters kind of all have that kind of formula of the competition right. and, and all of that and very similar. Um, but, uh, I mean, we have, uh, the, the one that's in Myrtle beach is, uh, it's a huge lagoon with three full sized pirate ships, one that's sunk and two on the other side, uh, two on the end to end. And then the one here in pigeon forge has, um, two pirate ships that sit kind of adjacent to one another. It's the back half of the ships, uh, that's on a lagoon, uh, that's created, but, uh, really, really great, great experience. We also here have uh, a dinner theater that's called Hatfield McCoy Dinner Feud. Yes. Um, and we have a we have a regular show, a comedy show called Comedy Barn. Um, and uh, all of those are are part of the uh, uh, they're all they're all part of the Dolly portfolio. Right. And also part of that, you do have a Dolly Parton Stampede still in Pigeon Forge. I do. We do. And we have one in Branson, Missouri also. Branson, right. Yeah, I've not, as much as I love dinner shows, I've seen a couple here in Orlando. I've seen multiple times out, I think it was in California and I've been to others, but I've not been to any yet in, uh, in Pigeon Forge area or Branson for that matter. But I've heard great things from friends uh, about, for example, the Dolly Parton Stampede. So I've Probably maybe even my next visit to Pigeon Forge. I would definitely want to check that out because yeah, they do a great Christmas show as well. So that oh, may nice. be good if you were able to come then. Yeah, no, that sounds great. That'd be a, that'd be an awesome little add on there. Absolutely fantastic. Well, again, let's uh, let's start wrapping things up here. So um, our next question we started asking here in season three because of a tragedy that happened um, uh, basically end of last year. Uh, which was a very close friend of, of uh, Coaster Challenge, especially of David's, uh, one of our earliest and first fans of Coaster Challenge back when we were still just a YouTube channel. Um, uh, his name is Dusty. He tragically, at the age of, uh, I think, 16, passed away uh, way too early in life. Uh, and so that brought to David especially mortality, the thoughts of mortality and about how you know, when, once you're passed away, you know, how your friends, your family, your colleagues would remember you by. So that leads to this question. So Pete, uh, when you're gone, hopefully not anytime soon, of course, how would you like your family, your friends, your colleagues to remember you by? Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a, it's a tough question. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I, I'd like to be remembered that I was, uh, uh, a good and trusted friend. Um, and that, you know, from my family standpoint that, um, I, uh, um, put my family first when I, you know, when I could and, and, uh, it's, you know, I hope it's a long time from now as well, but you know, I've always tried to live to give back and to treat others the way that I want to be treated. And, uh, and hopefully that's the way I'll be remembered. Sure. No, that's very noble, very noble. That makes a lot of sense. So thank you for sharing. So speaking of giving back, good, good segue here as well. Uh, as we kind of alluded to and talked about in the first half of the interview here today, we are all about 
theme park therapy, about the idea that theme parks are not just good for you and, and fun for you, I should say, but they're actually good for your mental health. They're good even for physical health, uh, you know, exercise amongst other things. So in, in the spirit of, of trying to help people have better lives in the realm of theme parks and themed entertainment and whatnot, um, can you think of any advice, any pearls of wisdom that you'd uh, like to share before we're finishing up here? Um, I mean, I, I think that probably the, the biggest piece of advice, you know, really does hitchhike well off of what you just asked. I mean, don't take any day for granted. I mean, I saw something the other day that I, that resonated with me that, um, you know, because dogs' lives are much shorter than ours, yeah. Yeah. they, um, if you notice every day, they're very excited. At, you know, they're excited to see you. You might go outside for a minute and then they see you and they're really excited. <laughs> and it is, uh, or you go to work and you come back and they're thrilled that you're there and, you know, a lot of that has to do with that seizing the day because their lives are so much shorter than others. Right. I mean, right. you know, it's that seven years to one year thing. Yep. Um, and, and so it's one of those things that you look at and you say, well, maybe if we were a little more like they are. Yes. Yes. That it would be, um, it might be, you know, things might be better. Uh, so I would say that would be number one. And, you know, the one thing that I, uh, I sometimes forget, um, but is always a great one is that as you, um, I tell my, well, two things. I tell my daughter, this, uh, my oldest daughter, this life's a contact sport <laughs> and you need to make sure that you, um, get out make contacts, make friends, make physical friends. Yeah. You know, yeah. texting and, 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 and being friends, you know, on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever is great, but people need human interaction. Yes. And so making sure you understand that, 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 uh, that life's a contact sport. And then secondly, you know, God gave us two eyes, one mouth, and two ears. Watch and listen to others before you speak. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, I see what you're emphasizing there that we have two of the things we should be using first and foremost, and only one mouth. That, that, wow. So, wow, Pete. So, one of the things we have been doing these interviews now for for going on three years. So we are well past 100 interviews. And the advice here, you've just given three great pearls of wisdom, not just one. So thank you for giving the three for one. Uh, great, great bargain we got here today from you. Um, those three we've never had before. Uh, and so unique. And I, especially that last one, I just love the poignancy of it. I'm going to have to remember that one for sure. Great advice, again, to to think, to, you know, observe, like you said, listen, you know, see what's going on before saying something. Because, yeah, I, I've certainly, like any human being, I have spoken too soon or too quickly. Absolutely. Great advice, but a great way to put that. Very unique way to put that I've never heard. Um, in terms of the second one you mentioned, the social. Um, absolutely. You know, in this day and age, so many people, whether it because of technology, you know, it's 
cell phones and iPads and everything with texting and Facebook and social media, you're not getting down the real world. Thankfully, I, I am someone that follows your first piece of advice. So because of that, the second one is not a non-starter for me. It's not an issue for me. Is yeah, I'm on social media. I'm texting my friends. Of course, that we that's what we do in this in the world. But I am getting out there. I'm meeting with people and having great memorable experiences. Absolutely. But for kids, especially like you said, for your daughter, you know, it's important to remind kids that are growing up in this crazy world that we live in. Say, yeah, you got to get out there. You can't just stay at home. You know, on your phone, playing video games, watching TV. You got to get out there and be social. Absolutely. But I last but not least, I want to touch upon the first thing you said, which I think was the most poignant. Um, first of all, I love animals. And I, I, by the way, I love the Eagle show you guys have at Dollywood. Oh my gosh, so good. I love that show, the Bird of Prey show. Um, but uh, my favorite animal pet-wise, because I've had a number of pets for years, is dogs. I have two dogs and I love my dogs. My dogs are my kids. I don't actually have any human kids. And I'm fine with that personally. I love my dogs. Um, I try to take them wherever I can. I, they go on a lot of road trips with me. And in fact, our listeners, you've heard them before on the podcast, just like you've heard Kim's dogs sometimes barking and making noise in the background. But you are so right, Pete. You are so right. I've thought about this myself before. Dogs, they live in the moment, which is so powerful to do. And it's really what we need to do as humans as much as possible. Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on the now. Enjoy the now. And when you come home, I have no no creature on this planet is happier than when you come home and your dog sees you. No creature's happier ever. And, and my, you know, I love, you know, some of my friends, my dogs can be a little noisy. They're, they're Alaskan Klikai. They're basically Siberian Huskies, but smaller. They have all the features. Mm-hmm. So they're very talkative. And, but I, I don't, it doesn't bother me because I know a lot of it is just their zeal, their passion, their, you know, their, their love of life and their appreciation of me and of, of just people coming over. They love meeting new people and, and everything. And yeah, I mean, and it really what your your advice there, it what's encapsulated, you've probably seen this meme, and a lot of our audience probably has seen this meme. It's a very powerful meme. It's a dog and a, and assumably his, I don't like to use the word owner, his 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 dad, if you will, his, you know, the the guy sitting next to him, a human. And they both got thought bubbles above their heads. The human has, you know, it looks like a guy carrying a briefcase, job, you know, money. You know, he's thinking about all these problems in his life, stress in his life. And the dog's bubble is that picture right there in the bubble of the human next to the dog. The dog is thinking about the here and now being with his human, with his one of his favorite people. And that, again, in the moment, you know, the dog is not worried about things. It's not it's just thinking about how much it appreciates being a companion. And, you know, dogs are the most amazing companions, man's best friend. So, yeah, if we could be more like dogs living in the moment, you know, living in the now because we, you know, you know, life is short. You know, we all have a limited time. Dogs have a lot less, unfortunately, but we all have limited time. So fantastic advice. Thank you so much, Pete. That's great. I appreciate it. Yeah, you betcha. I appreciate it. Yeah. So the last last thing here before we sign off. Uh, as we always do, is now, Pete, this can be for you personally, if you'd like to share, certainly understand if you, you're you not as, uh, you know, uh, put yourself out there socially, you know, with, with everyone. Uh, but I know certainly some PR reps do and, and whatnot, so perhaps you do this. But certainly, please share for Dollywood, um, you know, at least 
website, podcasts, YouTube channels, social media, just where people can, again, if you'd like, find you, but certainly find find Dollywood and learn more. Sure. I mean, Dollywood.com is, is where you can get everything and you're going to be greeted with um, information about the resorts and information about the parks. So that's the easiest way to go or follow at Dollywood on Facebook uh, or Instagram. Um, you know, I am, I believe me, I'm out there. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, there are quite a number of enthusiasts that follow, um, that follow me on Twitter, uh, at PRPDO, but the, um, I will say in advance, I'm a rather passionate sports fan and there <laughs> are times, and there are times that I maybe say things that are not, uh, a hundred percent politically correct. Uh, I'm watching some sports, uh, but because uh, I am a very, pa- I went to the University of Kansas. I'm a very passionate college basketball fan, but um, uh, and so that is uh, that's one of those things. But that is uh, that's me. I appreciate it. That thanks for sharing, Pete. And um, yeah, I I, I want to touch upon something you mentioned there about, you know, you're not always politically correct with the things you say um, on Twitter with, you know, talking about sports. I totally understand that. I'm not a sports person myself, but of course, I have many friends that are, and I get it. I totally get it. They're rabid fans. You can get excited and into it. But forgetting about sports for a moment, you know, I, I want to point out this. I try to share advice when, whether it be a guest or myself or, you know, just something comes to mind. Uh, whenever something comes to mind or, you know, or a guest mentions something that makes me think of something here on the podcast, I like to share with the listeners. Uh, and that is in this day and age with social media, you know, with texting, there's so much about the written word about what people say that we focus on what people say. And sometimes people can get caught up if people use a, a foul language or, you know, or something politically incorrect. You know what, people, my advice is don't get hung up on that. It's just words. You know, people, all of us have emotional moments. We have our, you know, not so great moments. What is so much more important than what my people say, especially on social media, is what people do in life and how they conduct themselves. Focus on that, not on what people say, because we all have our moments where we may say something in the heat of a moment. So anyway, you're great advice. Great advice. Thank you, Pete. Again, I love it. Uh, this podcast is about helping people live better lives. So it, that's what the advice is all about. But again, thank you for sharing all that great advice a few moments ago. And and thank you, Pete, for joining me today. Uh, you know, I know we had planned for an abbreviated interview, which is why we didn't ask some of the questions we usually ask. And you had kindly mentioned you've got some time. So I did add a couple more things on there. Um, and I really appreciate everything. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for sharing about your amazing park. Looking forward to spending my next visit there hopefully soon been entirely my pleasure thank you guys if you enjoyed today's episode be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast if you want to see more of us we upload every friday be sure to like us on facebook instagram twitter and youtube all at coaster challenge links are in the description below thanks for joining us here today